Hey, it's Jeffrey Craner. So my co-writer, Joseph Fink, and I have written three novels set in the world of Night Vale. There's Welcome to Night Vale, a novel, which answers the question, who's the man in the tan jacket and what does he want with our city? There's It Devours, in which we go inside the joyous congregation of the smiling God. And the most recent novel is called The Faceless Old Woman Who Secretly Lives in Your Home, and it is about... Well, a faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home. This last one is our favorite book that we've written together. The ending is shocking, and the journey getting there is full of adventures, laughs, and horror. But aside from Night Vale, we've written other books, too. Joseph wrote a middle-grade novel, The Halloween Moon, about a Halloween-obsessed girl named Esther Gold who goes out trick-or-treating for one last year, only to find her town under the thrall of a mysterious presence. Plus, Joseph and Meg Bashwinner, co-host of Good Morning Night Vale, published The First Ten Years, a hilarious and sweet he-said-she-said said memoir about the first ten years of a relationship. And finally, my fellow Within the Wires writer Janina Mathewson and I wrote a novel called You Feel It Just Below the Ribs, a fictional autobiography in an alternate 20th century that chronicles one woman's unusual life, including the price she pays to survive and the cost her choices hold for the society she is trying to save. So yeah, check out the books we've written. Just go to welcometonightville.com, click on books for a complete list of everything we've been writing. That's welcometonightville.com, click on books. Or just wherever you get your books, just search our names. And hey, thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I trip the light fantastic, and then I offer to help it up. And when the light fantastic is halfway up, I let go, and it falls again. Me and the Light Fantastic do not get along at all. Welcome to Night Vale. Start us off, a follow-up on a recent story. Local ne'er-do-well and five-headed dragon, Hiram McDaniels will be brought to trial for his attempts to assassinate Mayor Cardinal and take over Nightvale city government. This trial is already being referred to as the Trial of the Century, and indeed could be referred to as the Trial of All Time because Night Vale has never had a trial before. Judicial matters are usually handled directly by the secret police, whose judgment is above question, even when it's really bad and obviously wrong. Or, in some extreme cases, handled by the city council itself, who might relegate the wrongdoer to detention in the abandoned mine shaft outside of town, or might just eat the wrongdoer. 
It depends on whether the city council has had a heavy lunch. But Hiram McDaniel's is huge and a dragon. So the city council and the secret police are both declining to get too close to him. As a result, for the first time ever, we will have a fair and open trial here in Nightvale in front of a jury of Hiram's peers. Speaking of which, Nightvale invites any dragons to come down to the courthouse to serve as his peers. Failing that, any multi-headed beings are welcome. Although I can't immediately think of any of those except obviously deer, and deer can't take part in juries because of their profound belief in egalitarian anarchism. Pamela Winchell, former Nightvale mayor and current director of emergency press conferences, will serve as the prosecuting attorney, and Hiram's gold head will be acting in his own defense, as well as the defense of the other three heads accused. His fifth head, the Violet One, who had secretly been working to stop the other heads, is not charged, and is expected to take the witness stand against his same-bodied brethren. Updates on this exciting legal story will continue, as we all try to figure out what law means outside of the context of the despotic control of shadowy government forces. And now, listeners, from matters of news to matters of personal urgency, I present to you a heist. Here is the mission, to retrieve a top-secret document. Here are the players, myself, of course, mindful speaker in the mindless night, Carlos, scientist extraordinaire, extraordinary scientist, great hair. Steve Carlsberg, jerk. Good father, maybe. Don't tell him that. Abby, my sister, whom I have not spoken with in quite a while, but whom I am hoping to speak with more. Old woman Josie, opera aficionado, and friends with powerful and forbidden beings who are handy with a lockpick, and who claim to know a thing or two about hacking. Finally and foremost, of course, little Janice, my niece, and the second most important person in my life. She is the leader of our mission. She is the reason we are all involved. This, then, is the team. Here, then, is the target. City Hall, specifically the Hall of Public Records, one of the most secure and dangerous places in Nightvale where all public information is kept hidden from a public that might misuse it. Few have gone in and survived. No one has ever managed to remove or even view a single document from it. So, why are we trying? Why risk our lives to do what is, by all accounts, impossible? Because within that hall of records, is the Registry of Middle School Crushes, a ledger that documents every slight swoon of our young citizens' lovesick hearts. This registry, like all municipal documents, is constantly updated via invasive satellite mind scanning. Janice wants us to retrieve the Registry of Middle School Crushes and destroy it. I will not ask why. We don't have to ask why. 
We know that a family member is in need and we act accordingly. The plan? <laughs> but that would give it away. More soon, whether the powers that be like it or not. First, a word from our sponsors. Today's sponsor is Venom Box, the subscription service that sends you a box of venomous creatures every month. Last month's theme was hidden but deadly, and those who survive that will love this month's theme, fanged and impossibly quick. Venom Box has been sending me samples, and boy, have I almost died. I have almost died a lot. They are very dangerous, these boxes. Each individually curated Venom Box is literally a box of toxic and aggressive creatures. That's what they are. It's not even a secure box. It's a hastily constructed cardboard box. Often the creatures escape before you can open the Venom Box. The only thing worse than opening a box to find venomous creatures inside is opening a box that is supposed to have venomous creatures inside and instead finding nothing. Then, looking around your home, feeling... Is that a tickle on your toe? You were imagining that, right? To get a free sample, just do nothing. Or try to prevent it. Actively try to keep the Venom Box out. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do, you are subscribed to Venom Box every month from here on out. Good luck. This has been a word from our sponsors. And now, traffic. A woman walks into a bar. Presumably, she did not just appear there. Presumably, she opened the door from the outside and entered it. Presumably, she drove to the bar. Presumably, she had obtained the car she used to drive to the bar somewhere, presumably with money. Presumably, she had received that money somehow. She presumably had spent days, months, even years before this moment. Presumably, she was born at some point to a mother, presumably. Presumably, she was a child once. There had been years spent in which she could not completely feed herself. There were years in which she was smaller and stayed all day in rooms where adults taught her to be similar adults to the adults they were. There was a first kiss, nights spent in terror of the nights to come, the first vestiges of independence, moving out, finding a job, a decision at some point to go to the bar, presumably. Can I have a drink? She said to the bartender. Oh, I'm sorry, said the bartender. This is the end of my shift. Ed will be out in a moment and he'll be able to help you. The bartender left the bar. Presumably, he opened the door. Presumably, he got into a car. Presumably, he drove home, the radio on and playing him through the soft focus darkness of hot night. Presumably, he had a bed somewhere, got into it, slept, and presumably dreamed. 
Presumably, he grew older day by day and looked at each day as a missed opportunity to live a life that was in no way better than the life he was living, but just different. Presumably, he edged toward death, fearing losing what he had, regretting ever attaining it. There was a last kiss. Everything was forgotten, but in pieces and in the most painful order. New things were learned slowly and in the least helpful order. A basket of fruit indicating a sentiment too weak communicated too late to a person who was already gone. Presumably. This has been Traffic. Back to the main event. Plans run apace for our heist from the City Hall Public Records Room. The obstacles are grave and myriad. First, they were simply getting past the guard at the door of City Hall. The guard doesn't stop anyone, so as I said, it's getting past is pretty simple. Then there is avoiding the City Council who lurk within City Hall, a many-form municipal entity waiting for citizens to civically devour. We will have to tread carefully to avoid it. Then there are the stairs to the basement where the records are kept. These are very dangerous. Thousands of people die falling down stairs every year, so we will have to take care not to trip. Beyond that is the thick vault door, combination unknown, immune to detonation or heat. Rumor has it that the door to the records room could survive a nuclear explosion. Rumor has it that it already has. Past the door, information becomes more piecemeal. Rumor becomes our only guide. There is, apparently, a grid of lasers carefully calibrated so as to look mesmerizing and cause an intruder to stop and watch them, thus failing to complete her mission. There are pressure sensors in the floor, heat sensors in the wall, thought sensors in all of our brains. The security is diabolical. But we have devised a plan past all of it, which, again, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. Saying the plan on the radio would make it tricky to successfully perform it without being caught. But it's really good. I promise. We will make sure Janice gets the registry of middle school crushes so she can destroy it. We just will never be able to tell you how. And now the answer to last week's audio Spot the Differences quiz. Of course, the two audio scenes we set for you were quite similar, perhaps even, at an oral glance, identical. But there were eight specific differences. Did you spot them all? Let's find out. Here were the differences. 1. The shadow of the howling man is smiling in one scene, but missing in the other. 2. There are shrouded figures in the grass in both scenes, and they look identical, but in the first scene they are watching, while in the second scene they are listening. 3. Only the first scene 
scares me. Four, the cow has one extra spot in the first scene. Five, the cow has all of its blood in the first scene. Six, the howling man is howling in both scenes. Seven, we don't know why he is howling. Eight, maybe it's because of his shadow? Nine, what does the second man have to do with anything? Ten, the child is absent from both scenes. How did you do? If you missed any, don't worry. The secret police will be arriving soon to take you to a re-education camp. And after that, you definitely won't be messing up any more puzzles or messing up anything or doing anything ever again. Oh, I just can't resist. Our brilliant plan is too brilliant not to share. I mean, it doesn't even matter that much, I guess, because the plan is already in motion. What could the powers that be possibly do? So first, old woman Josie had her beings, who cannot legally be called angels, hack the thought sensors and the mind-scanning satellites so that instead of playing our current thoughts, they play a loop of thoughts about which sandwich place is our favorite. Obviously, the Mario's Very Authentic Italian Ice Cream Sub Sandwich Place at the mall. Obviously. Then, Abby, Steve, and Carlos all simply walked past the guard. Again, the guard doesn't stop anyone. Simple. Abby used a series of mirrors and clip lights in the doorway to city council chambers to create the illusion of an empty hallway for the monstrous municipal members within, thus allowing the wonderful Carlos and the foolishly brave Steve to go down the stairs carefully and without tripping. Those two and those two alone enter the basement. There, Carlos used a mathematical formula that he had arrived at scientifically to deduce the combination of the great vault door. Once inside, of course, Carlos would become instantly fascinated by the laser grid, determined to understand it, which is why it was Steve's important job to keep him focused and moving. They then put on harnesses, which Janice had spent the last several weeks making from a home cat burglar kit she got as a prize in a box of honey nut flakios, and which she had lined with bags of frozen peas to throw off the heat sensors. And that is where they are now, dear listeners, creeping ever closer to the registry of middle school crushes and to a triumphant end to a triumphant plan. Nothing can... Oh no. <gasps> oh no. Somehow it seems that the city council has discovered the plan. I don't know how that could have happened. Steve and Carlos are still in the basement. They're still in danger. Still right behind the closed vault door. Where can they run? How can they hide? I will try to sort out what to do. And in the meantime, I must take you to the weather.
Have returned, listeners, to a heist complete. This was not a heist of action at all. It was not a heist of diamond-tipped drills or advanced electronics. No, this was a heist of words, a heist of fiction. It was a heist of storytelling, and it was magnificent. For there was no hacking by Josie and her friends, no mirror held by Abby, no absurd mathematical formula devised by Carlos, and no Steve. Thank God, no Steve. There was none of that. Carlos, old woman Josie, Abby, and Steve are safe at home, having never left their beds in this warm, still night. I created their action, I created their danger with my words, and I delivered that danger to you. That was the entire plan, all of it. It was me here at this microphone telling you a story. A story about a successful entrance to the well-protected vault of the Hall of Public Records. (laughs) And in response to my story... The city council rushed to the records hall, flung open the vault door, deactivated the sensors and alarms, and charged in to capture Steve and Carlos. But those two were, of course, not there to be captured. The only person who was there 
Having avoided the danger of the stairs by safely taking the ADA-compliant elevator down, and having waited, patiently, in the shadows, for the city council to rush by, enraged, and open the door of the vault for her, was a very clever eleven-year-old in a stealth wheelchair of her own design. She waited, and when they had passed, she followed quietly after them. And while they searched, roaring for intruders that weren't there, she slipped the registry of middle school crushes from its shelf, rolled herself back to the elevator, and was gone, before the council had even an inkling that they were chasing only figments of my imagination. It was, despite all of my misleading words, a two-person heist. An uncle, who can tell one hell of a story, and a niece, who can come up with one hell of a plan. Janice took the registry out into the scrublands, and there, in an arroyo that has not seen water in many years, she lit it on fire and watched the smoke pass up through the evergreen leaves of the Joshua trees. I don't need to know why she wanted it destroyed, although perhaps I could guess. But I won't guess. I only know that she needed my help, and so I helped her. Before everything, before even humans, there were stories. A creature at a fire conjuring a world with nothing but its voice and the listener's imagination. And now, me and thousands like me in little booths and rooms at mics and screens all over the world, doing the same for a family of listeners, connected as all families are, primarily by the stories we tell each other. And after? After fire and death, or whatever happens next, after the wiping clean or the gradual decay, after the after, when there are only a few creatures left, there will be one at a fire telling a story to what family it has left. It was the first thing, and it will be the last. Stay tuned next for more stories being told to you all of the time, whether you are aware of them or not. And from whatever fiction it is that we happen to be living together tonight, good night, Night Vale. Good night. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image, but when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. Binge all episodes of The Last City ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.
Support for Welcome to Night Vale comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or you just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switch to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash nightvale. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash nightvale. Odoo, modern management made simple. Welcome to Night Vale is a production of Night Vale Presents. It is written by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner and produced by Joseph Fink. The voice of Night Vale is Cecil Baldwin. Original music by Disparition. All of it can be found at disparition.info or at disparition.bandcamp.com. This episode's weather was My Postcard by Toys and Tiny Instruments. Find out more at toysandtinyinstruments.bandcamp.com and go see one of the singer-songwriters of that band, Colin Summers, in his one-man musical this August in New York City, Steve, a docu-musical. Comments, questions, email us at info at welcometonightvale.com or follow us on Twitter at Nightvale Radio. Check out welcometonightvale.com for more information on this show, as well as all sorts of cool Nightvale stuff you can own. And while you're there, consider clicking that donate link. That'd be cool of you. Today's proverb. I had a dream in which cow-sized pugs existed. I was on a train and one loped along outside my window. I'm sorry your dreams aren't as good. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Craner, and I wanted to tell you about one of my other podcasts, Random Number Generator Horror Podcast Number 9. So the thing is, my friend Cecil Baldwin, the voice of Night Vale, loves horror movies, and he's helping make the genre more approachable for me, and hopefully for you too, one film at a time in a random order. Are you squeamish about horror movies? Look, I get it, and no worries. Just listen in, and we'll tell you everything that happens. But do you love horror movies? Well, that's great too. Watch along with us each week. We've got nearly 200 episodes covering everything from The Shining to Leprechaun 4 in Space. I'm serious. We go in a random order. So check out Random Horror 9 wherever you get podcasts.